0: Go! Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of a program here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts at Loafing It over on Twitter. This is a new show here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. It's a Saturday morning show. We'll probably get to it most times on Saturday morning, just where me and a good buddy are are, are sitting around talking about the week's happenings in sports, like the past week, maybe looking forward to some other things. And of course, whatever topics end up coming up, you know how topics are whenever they come up to sports. But me and a good friend Tim Fitzgerald at uh, at Run From Dolan over on Twitter, past host of a Rock With Us podcast, Rock With Us over on Instagram. You can find him there. But this is Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome, Tim.
1: Hey, Wes. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm over the moon excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Over the moon excited. Now, you, you have a certain dialect there that I'm picking up on. Like It almost sounds... What What's that movie with... Um, oh, what is that? Hey, How You Like Them Apples, that movie. Whatever. What's that movie called? I don't even know.
1: I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm sorry. I don't.
0: Uh, it sounds like a Boston kind of accent. Uh, uh, Oh, boy. What's that? It's got Robin Williams in it. It's got the kid oh, in there. A de- dead Poet Society. Uh, maybe so. Maybe that's it. I don't know if that's uh, it or not. But uh, how you like them apples? I just remember that. That's what it sounds I like. I like them apples. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You can talk with a Bostonian accent. Tim here is, we're going to talk about a lot of different topics. Like I said, we're going to look at the week in the past and just kind of spread it, spread it out to all fields, baseball fields, football fields, basketball fields, uh, courts, I guess is what that is. Do you do any
1: rugby? Are we going to talk rugby and cricket too, Tim? What are we doing there? I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, I played rugby for about two weeks in college and I never played it ever again. So unless I'm unless I'm unless I'm over in Ireland, which I haven't been since before COVID, I'm not I'm not overly interested in uh, in rugby or cricket. But you know, let's see where this goes, man. I can really I, I could talk about the sun rising and fall, and I could talk about sports. I really I, I like I pride myself on talking. <laughs> Okay. That's, that's good.
0: Uh, I, I'll pride myself on listening then, I reckon, Tim. I, <laughs> hey, rugby is one of those tough sports. I love watching rugby on television. And I really got into it for a small period of time whenever I think it was qualifying for the Olympics or something. And I, I said, man, this is awesome. But I can never find rugby on TV. And really, it's just not that popular here. And I always think back to that episode on Friends where Ross had to play rugby or something. and He got murdered. Yes. For,
1: and <laughs> He put on he put on the uh, he put on the strong face for the girlfriend, and then, and in the minute she went to get him a drink. He just collapses into Joey's arms. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it's, it reminded me of how we used to play it on the playground. Is what rugby does. So I, I really enjoy watching that. Hey, Tim, uh, this past week we had the AFC and the NFC conference finals. And I don't know what stuck out to you with those things. And we got Super Bowl coming up, of course, next week. So we'll kind of prime that up. We won't get into a lot of Super Bowl talk here this particular Saturday. Maybe next Saturday we'll get into a lot of that. But I think back to the NFC Conference Finals. And really, I thought the game would probably be a lot closer. But that injury to Brock Purdy early on really started swaying that over to the Philadelphia side. And it, it wasn't a game really at all, Tim.
1: Yeah, I mean it it really it reminded me of prom night to be really honest with you. There was, there was so much lead up. Everybody was going to get their best suits, their best dresses. Everybody was it was taking pictures. Then you actually got to the dance and unfortunately, hey, that one teacher was there who ruined everything hang and and you know, unfortunately at the end of the night it was just me and my buddy just looking at each other like, "Oh my god, you know, Oh, high school's over. Where do we go from here? It, it was so unfortunate, though, that like it just it wasn't anything that could have happened. Brock Purdy didn't do anything wrong. He didn't just that that injury. He and then Josh Johnson, unfortunately, getting injured hurt. It was it was so unfortunate that it was stolen. I don't even want to say stolen. It was so unfortunate that it was just it it, it wasn't it wasn't what it could be because of no, and it wasn't anybody's fault. Like we can't hang our hats on one thing about it.
0: I'll be I'll be the first to admit it. I, I was totally guilty of sitting on the sideline and playing an armchair quarterback and I was going I don't know why the kid's not going in there he doesn't look like he's in a lot of pain I, Bur- Purdy's got to get in there it it take a mountain lion to keep me out of this ball game right now and then it ends up he towards ucl i
1: believe all the way and so i'm going okay well yeah. that, that's probably a little bit more excusable <laughs> Ab- absolutely it's just it, it was so unfortunate hey i don't know i don't know if you saw this i saw this on uh, social media i think it was instagram george kittle who is one of my favorite humans he actually he went up to he went up to brock purdy when jo- when johnson went down there like purdy's got to come back in nothing else to hand the football he asked Bro- brock can you throw it left-handed and brock's like i tried but i i, I don't have the accuracy to do that hadn't kill it was just kind of like oh that's when he knew that it was like, okay, this is just not going to end well unfortunately uh, it surprised me that Shanahan didn't have
0: a backup backup plan, and maybe he did, but he was didn't unleash it. you know it really seems like even with Josh Johnson in there, I believe that's what his name is I would have thought a a wildcat formation would have been better with McCaffrey back there. just take turns, you know uh, McCaffrey can get four or five yards per carry, you can get first downs like that just two or three tries. I, I don't know why they didn't go with some kind of wildcat.
1: So so I'm a big Pat McAfee guy, and that was one thing that was discussed not only by McAfee but also A.J. Hawk and other guests that they had on the show. I don't know if you remember, when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, besides them, like – besides the, them putting the league on notice like hey we're here and we're here to go down to the end of it the, his first touchdown scored for the San, for the San Francisco 49ers in Los Angeles was a throw from McCaffrey mm-hmm. to to Kittle in the end zone and I'm and we kind of saw that in the last 5 minutes of the fourth quarter I'm like you know I get it you know both your quarterbacks went down and it's something that doesn't ever really happen in, in the NFL really I mean quarter, most teams only keep two quarterbacks active very rarely do they have a third quarterback who's active but mm-hmm. I thought if there's one coach in this league that hey you know maybe they could figure something out how between McCaffrey between uh who's their uh, their big fullback number 44 I, Huse- his check. name with Use check, check. I can I can never pronounce his name so that's why I wanted to, I didn't want to mispronounce well, it. I, I'm a or, professional
0: or, or, Tim. I'm a professional. This is your first time on this podcast and you you have to learn that I am a professional when it comes to names. Use check rolls off my tongue like water <laughs> off a duck's
1: back. I love that. Um but yeah, you I I thought between the three of them there would be able to not not be throwing – 50 yard bombs, but you would be able to you know, 10 yards, 15 yards, some type of completion where the, you know, when the Eagles realized that they weren't going to be throwing it, they kept eight men in the box saying, okay, we're just going to rush everybody. Yeah. And whoever gets, whoever gets McCaffrey or Debo, that's, that's what the play is. Like I, I really, I was kind of surprised from Shanahan, but also at the same time, I understand that this is just something that you just can't really plan for. Yeah, and, and Debo in the
0: wildcat, you know, Debo or McCaffrey, I, I would have thought they would have had a run-pass option play between Debo and with McCaffrey back there, alternating between the two of them taking snaps. I just I thought there was going to be more creativity in the offense to come, and I was actually kind of looking forward to it. After Purdy went down, and you know the, the 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 play got over, and then the Philadelphia Eagles were on offense, San Francisco was on defense, and I'm going, huh what's Shanahan going to pull out of his hat? And he pulled Josh Johnson out of there. And I was like, uh, let's put it back in the hat. Put the
1: hat back on. Put the hat back on.
0: <laughs> uh, the, so the Eagles then went on to win that one. I thought it was very strange, too, that first drive. And I've seen... Uh, I've I've seen Jalen Hurts go out there and on the opening drives be able to pass the ball a little bit and as the game wanes on it feels like he doesn't have as strong of an arm or shoulder I've had shoulders injuries injuries in the past and really that's kind of how my softball career ends ended up where my games I would end up being able to have two or three good throws in me and then it built up to five good throws in me and stuff and I watched Jalen Hurts and I'm like okay he's got about five good throws in him and then he kind of starts just throwing it all over the place a little bit more sporadically, even sporadically to the tight ends on an average five-yard-per-depth target route or something like that. It just it just does, doesn't seem to go well. And I remember that first opening drive with Devontae Smith catching the ball, fumbling the ball. So he we caught. Yeah, well, when, I, when he caught the ball, I went, oh, man, that was a great catch, great throw kind of a thing. And, and once again, he had to Devontae Smith had to make an incredible catch just because the throw was a little bit off target. But then when Devontae Smith got up and started pounding his fist together, I went, "Oh," and I, t- I told my daughter and my wife. I said, "He didn't catch that one. They're trying to get up to the line real quick to snap it before the before the other team can call a, or call a timeout and try to review the play, but they never reviewed it." And I went, "What was what was Shanahan thinking on that?"
1: I am going I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one step closer on the on this, and we, and I know we can kind of get into it later cuz it's definitely more applicable in the second game. But the NFL employed the I, – I, I don't know if you have casinos by where you are, but there, there's a thing called Eye in the Sky where the pit boss is sitting in the office and he's watching oh, yeah. every player do it. The NFL has been employing that this year, and they've—and and their way of – I don't know if it's spinning it or whatever, but their way of, uh, of reporting it is, hey, after further discussion, we've determined this. I just kind of feel like the NFL has been – it's a consistency issue when it comes to that type of thing. Like the like, – that's type of something where I get sh- – Shanahan, I think, the guys upstairs should have said, listen, we, we got to challenge this. But also, if the NFL is going to employ this eye in the sky, I feel like they prevent those certain things from happening. Hey, And it's just it, – it, it's more it's a consistency issue, but it's also a – this wasn't Shanahan's best game coaching or anything like that. Yeah, I, I would think that they would have a buy-time play as well. Like on yeah. the defense, Just just tell
0: the defense – Create a penalty to where they can't snap the ball. It gives us more time to review this play. You know, like just jump off sides, just hit somebody, <laughs> just do something to give us more time to review this play up in the booth so I can see whether or not I need to challenge it if he was so concerned about losing a challenge. There there has to be a buy time play in there somewhere. I, I, I just think that that has to be in the playbook. And I like what you said about consistency. I think the NFL likes the inconsistency. I don't think the NFL wants to take the human element out of it because if you take the human element out of it and you all leave, you leave it to that big pit boss, you know, up there in the sky, that eye in the sky, like you talked about, if you put that in there and they're in control of everything, then there's nobody to blame, right? Right. And and there's no there's no wiggle room, you know what I mean? Like in the, especially in this next game that we're about to get to. Between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals, it seemed like every call went against the Cincinnati Bengals Tim, that, that other day. And not every single call, but you know what I mean. Like if the referees wanted to, if the NFL wanted to, uh, kind of sway things to a home field advantage, if they if they wanted to give a team a certain little leverage throughout the game, they can without taking a, because of that human element that's in there. If they had a pit boss. They couldn't do that. If, they, if there was nobody to blame, you can't do that. So I think they like the wiggle room.
1: I, I I agree. I I think that unfortunately with that, I, I, I agree that like you know there's sometimes there are things that are just bang bang plays where you know a referee refereeing is something across all four major sports that can be debated for whether their consistencies or inconsistencies, inconsistencies. So I agree that there is definitely a human element in it, and I just think there I, I don't know how to say this without like there has to be more consistencies within their inconsistencies like <laughs> where we can where we can throw okay this is something that normally happens you know guys miss uh, uh, reps miss plays and that's fine but then you we but then we go to arrowhead or burrowhead as it was previously called well, before uh, before Patrick Mahomes reminded us who he is you know there's just so many like there's such a wide spectrum of inconsistencies throughout the NFL officiating that like we're we are we are at this. Yeah, you know, we're a week out from the AFC games. We we're at the the, uh, the championship games. We're a week out from it. And the and this little you know Monday morning, the NFL is rigged is still a topic of conversation among uh, among other talking parties. I just I feel like, like there has to be a, a, a you know a more narrow field of inconsistencies that we can say. Okay, this is something. This is, falls in this white line and this is just, just something that happens on the field, and there's nothing we can really do about it. Okay. Um, but I agree with you. They like their inconsistency. They like the bang-bangness of it. Well,
0: maybe, maybe the bang-bangness. I don't know what we call it. I've started looking through uh, at the world through a lens of WWE or WWF, Tim. Okay, That's what I've done. I've started mm-hmm. looking at it like, okay, th- they, can, they can predict an outcome if they want to get it there. Not that they necessarily make the outcome happen, But they can do it like like, I, I think back to Andre the Giant whenever I was a kid. And uh, wrestling professionals now, they've kind of let the cat out of the bag, you know, that, yeah, it's a show and, yeah, it's all these things, you know. And when I was growing up as a kid, they they vehemently would deny that wrestling was staged or fixed, you know, just right. uh, you, you can't do that. No, we're out there fighting and everything. And, and you kind of knew it, but you didn't want to necessarily accept it. That's kind of the cognitive dissonance, I think is what they call it. There's a barrier there in your brain where you don't want to believe something is fake or false or rigged or whatever, But I remember those wrestlers back in the day fighting Andre the Giant. I used to sit there and go, how in the world do they fight this big guy? Even as a little boy, I was like, wow, he's so huge, you know. And then later on, the wrestlers let the cat out of the bag. Nobody could beat Andre the Giant if he didn't let them. (laughs) It just wouldn't happen. And so I kind of look at politics this way. I kind of look at sporting events this way because you just see some calls even in baseball behind the plate where the umpires are calling balls and strikes. And they're just so egregiously off that right i I remember kyle schwarber just going ballistic last year for the philadelphia phillies angel hernandez angel hernandez that's the guy that's the you know some of those guys turn their backs on some calls maybe on purpose just like a wrestling referee turns his back when you know there's a chair being thrown in the ring just so they don't see it you know i I don't know if that's the case i don't know the world makes more sense whenever i'm looking at it through a wwf lens in my brain
1: I gotcha, and and the one thing that the that the MLB has done to, is working to correct that is that they're they, you know they're introducing this you know this automatic pit this automatic strike zone that you know it's going to be done by lasers and someone's going to radio into the radio into the um whether it was a strike or a ball. You know I like that you know they've introduced uh, instant replay to it. They're trying they're trying to do enough that you know th- these critical calls that these critical calls are something that, you know, will be more consistently and more, and, and more of the right stuff will happen. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't mean, I didn't really mean to give to the idea notion that, um, that, that the NFL is rigged. I'm personally, I'm not a believer of that. I can no, get, no. I, I can get why the argument is, but at the same time, like there's just too many people. There's just too, there are just too many moving parts that I don't really see how, any type of legitimacy can be thrown behind that the NFL, if nothing else is rigged, because there's just, there's, there's too much money to be made. There's too much to be done. I just, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I understand. I I,
0: I understand. And at the same time, I could say that if, by rigging it there is the reason why you would is because there's a lot of money to be made right <laughs> because right. Vegas never gets things wrong they got those big nope. buildings there with all the golden walls and golden ceilings and everything for a reason they do that and and it yep. just kind of and, and we're always told to follow the money we're always told bet opposite of what everybody else is doing as far as NFL games or anything goes so if you do the opposite I, I, there there's lots of arguments it's an interesting conversation uh, not as interesting as the actual gameplay on the field which we had with Kansas City and Cincinnati. I really thought Cincinnati was going to win this game, Tim, going into the going into yeah. it. And then Kansas City showed who they were and they didn't back down. I I go back all the way to the offseason, whenever Kansas City traded Tyreek Hill. I know me and John Frisella, even your buddy there and and others were speculating that this could actually be better for the Kansas City Chiefs offense because they'd be less predictable. Well, I don't know if they were less predictable. This 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 last Sunday because so many wide receivers ended up getting hurt during the game and weren't playing and they were able to take away Travis Kelsey a little bit. He, He started throwing lateral passes last week. A couple of different times, it looked like he was going to do it at least twice. (laughs) I I know he did it once, the whole hook and ladder, and it looked like he was going to try and do it again. It was really weird how creative their offense started becoming, but Patrick Mahomes showed that he just owned that field and could just. the game is so slow for him that he was able to do a really good job last Sunday.
1: Patrick Mahomes has really given... Uh, has really given the people who play, you know, who play schoolyard football, where I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep lateraling it until I score a touchdown. I'm gonna just keep throwing it until we get the right guy who's gonna score. He's giving guys like that hope because that is, it's uh, you know, he makes it look so easy when he does it. And just to just to address your Tyree Kill thing, Tyree Kill, I I think he's the one who he's the one who really let Mahomes feel like you know he can do that like we're like Tyreek run 30 yards and I'll hit you I'm just gonna just look for the ball after you run 30 yards and it'll be there and it was I think the reason they felt so comfortable trading uh, Tyreek Hill was because they had Travis Kelsey they're like listen we can get a Mecole Hartman we can get a Juju Smith-Schuster we can get him a, a Marquez Valdez-Scantley listen go run to go run twenty, thirty yards and the ball's gonna be there or while well, Patrick's running around. And then if you guys aren't open, guess what? Travis Kelsey's gonna be right there, his security blanket, his best friend, and we're gonna be able to make something happen. And I think it not only speaks to you know Patrick Mahomes' athletic ability, which God bless him, he is he's truly a, a, one of the best foot one of, I, I think he's gonna be one of the best football players but uh, in the world by the time this is done, by the time his career is over. But Andy Reid and uh, Eric Bieniemy, they're genius in script in, in writing, you know, in, in writing this offense and making sure everything happens. I think it really speaks to them and their ability of listen. We took this, we took this guy, we molded him, and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in pro football. Well,
0: and I got to give some credit to Steve Spagnoli as well, the defensive coordinator. That defense always seems to step up towards the end of the year. It really gels towards the end of the year. I don't think they give. I won't say 100 percent effort at the beginning of the season, but they, they, they make the game fun because it, it, it's an offensive shootout. Right. But when it comes time to step up to the plate, come playoffs towards the end of the year, whenever the games are really starting to matter, when you need that defense to step up, they, they certainly can. And I think one of the I've heard that Steve Spagnoli really emphasizes, hey, let's get off the field. You know, let's make the third downs count. Let's let's not let people score touchdowns. And the way you don't let them score touchdowns is you get off the field on third down because then they're forced to punt. So it's it's really interesting. The philosophy, the theory that he has, he kind of uh, creates that chaos on the court or on the field a whole lot there. I, I just love how the defenses seem to gel for Kansas City towards the end of the year.
1: Wes, that's a that's a great point, and I have to tell you, uh, I i I've I was born in New York. I'm a New Yorker for life. I am a New York Giants fan. I was at Super Bowl forty two, where the Steve Spagnola led New York Giants defense put Tom Brady and Randy Moss down, and we beat them, and we beat them, and mm. gave them an eighteen in one season. So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Steve Spagnola has a very special spot in my heart because he takes he, he takes. Okay, defensive guys with one or two great players. Like for me, it was my it was Michael Strahan and, and uh, O.C.U. Manura for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's Frank Clark and it's Chris Jones. He takes those guys and he makes everybody else work. And he and he has these great defensive schemes. I, I'm with you wholeheartedly on that. Steve Spagnuolo is a great.
0: Yeah. And I I really uh, hats off to Cincinnati. I, I, you know, Joe Burrow has my heart a little bit. He, he just does. I love the way the, the kid plays quarterback. I love his swag walking into a stadium, all those things, the cockiness that they have. And they just came up a little bit short. I really think one of the, I don't want to say missing parts, but maybe their Achilles heel right now is Joe Mixon. Okay. Joe Mixon, I understand who he is. I understand what he does. I, I know he had a lot of goal line attempts throughout this year and just came up short on those things. His average carry per, per per attempt is just really low. I, I don't know. They seem to do a little bit better whenever Samad J.P. ran in there. I wonder if they don't do something to try and replace Joe Mixon because he seems to be the weakest link right now on that offense, in my opinion. That's that's what I think. I, and I also think the outcome would have been a little bit different if Tyler Boyd would have been able to be healthy throughout the whole game. He, he was get, catching balls early on in the game, and then you know they just didn't have that option anymore.
1: So I, I agree with you. I think the one biggest thing that that uh, that Zach Taylor and the Bengals addressed last offseason was building an offensive line to protect Joe Burrow because I think they I think I think you and me are on the same page the the Joe Burrows the Patrick Mahomes the Josh Allen's like they're what they're what Tom Brady Peyton Manning and I'll throw Drew Brees in as a third that, that's what they that's what they, the new that's kind of the new big three Trevor Lawrence is on his way maybe Danny Dimes that's not important to the conversation right now but they went out they they addressed the offensive line because they know they had to protect Joe Burrow because Joe burrow needs time he's already had one acl injury you know he bet ba- he battles through stuff on the in the last five minutes of Super Bowl last year you saw that he was hurt you saw that he hurt his knee hey and he still stayed in and he played i think he had some type of serious knee injury where like he's like no i'm just gonna rehab it will be good i agree with joe burrow is a bad man um joe mixon i i thought you were gonna take it a little bit different i don't know if you saw recently and you know we'll get to this when we talk about uh, recent events but um Joe Mixon was actually he was actually in some trouble in Kansas in not Kansas in Cincinnati this past week he was he was he was charged with quite a heinous crime so um, you know the charges charges have since been dropped you know they've I you know they they he has been I don't know if he's been cleared of all the wrongdoing I don't don't know if it's just the charges being dropped but I agree with you he's had he has some I, I you know he he's gotten paid he's gotten his he's gotten his big deal that's keeping him there but he hasn't outside of the coin flip. Where he he flipped the coin in in uh, the Baltimore Ravens faces in the in the wild card game. Mm-hmm. I don't I I don't really know that he's a long time answer because you know Joe Burrow just needs someone who he can check down to who can be there and who can also pick up you know six seven eight yards at a time. I, yep. I agree with you. I think I I think that the past season has given Cincinnati something to think about with Joe Mixon and I think his actions off the field have made it more like okay like do we really think about the. His more, I I agree with you. They they had to address some issues with that.
0: I, I agree, and there were some of those controversial calls in that game that I think that we can address a little bit. To me, uh, the uh, well, which one first? <laughs> yeah, which, which one first? <laughs> there, there there were quite a few of these. Quite leagues. a few, yes, yes, yeah. You know, the intentional grounding plays, right? Almost back to back on consecutive drives. One for the Chiefs, one for the Bengals. One was called, one wasn't called. Were yeah. they both? Yeah, were they both? Consecutive, but you know, intentional groundings. Well, uh, the one was, yes, the one wasn't, no. But once again, that's one of those judgment calls, right? That the referees can sway either way. I think intentional grounding. Uh, a illegal man downfield, I think that could be called quite often, and it doesn't always get called. Uh, the flags kind of stay in the pocket a little bit on that. Pass interference mm-hmm. could get called more often than it is. It's kind of one of those judgment calls. Again, holding, offensive, defensive holding can be called. You know, There's so many different plays that are judgment calls there in that case, and just everything went against Cincinnati. But to me, one of the most egregious ones, Tim, was that fourth down, the third, fourth down thing when the whole Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs offense were on the sidelines and Cincinnati was going off the sidelines and they called everybody back and said, Redo. <laughs> I, I I I never in a big moment like that, I don't I don't know I don't think the referees necessarily did it on purpose. I go say that, but at the same time you almost think that, hey, swallow your whistles, boys. Don't say anything. The play's over, let's just move on.
1: So I should I should have. Do we have any type of explanation as to why it was the back judge that stopped it? Like if it's if it's if it's the line judge, fine. Like he's 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 running in the field. He's running into the field of play down the middle. Oh, like, yep, guys are going to see him. Guys are going to stop. Nothing's going to happen here. Here, like even if it's even if it's the the even if it's one of the lead officials or one of the ones in the backfield, like, okay, like we're gonna see that this game's being stopped. This guy is twenty yards down the field. He's there <laughs> in the event that someone gets loose and scores a touchdown. Like why like I, I almost like I almost want to say, like dude, why are you talking? Like why do we need to hear from you right now? Like no one was talk and this guy comes in. It was a clock issue, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, yeah,
0: it was a clock issue. You say the why had the guy come running in and everything. It was almost like he came running in just in case the 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 Kansas City Chiefs didn't make a first down. Is what it looked like to me.
1: <laughs> right, like I, you know, I, I just, I, 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 don't, I don't like it. I think it was a bad look. I understand Zach Taylor's frustrations with it. I guess, you know, when you break when you break it down, you take the emotions out of it. like it was, it was truly, you know, the the play technically was stopped before that third down, but Arrowhead is so loud. You can't hear yourself think yeah. at that point. Like I, you know, I get both sides of it. I think it's a, I'm not going to say it's a dirty call by any means, but I, th- I think it's something that definitely makes you scratch your head. And I agree with you on the consistency of like, I- I'm not necessarily going to talk about the, um, about the, about the intentional grounding play, but the one thing that we saw and the one thing that sealed the deal for Kansas city was that, what was that uh, unnecessary roughness call by Osay, uh, Osai I believe, yep. he the middle linebacker for Cincinnati. That I mean that that's clearly that's out of bounds. That's you know, Patrick Mahomes is is two steps out of bounds and Osai I saw he rolled his ankle and he screwed up his hip on his way there so you could say that you know, he was trying to stop and his leg just gave out. It's it's so unfortunate. That guy's a great player. But I'm going to ta- say I'm going to take it back to the previous uh the previous drive for Joe Burrow. He, I, 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 this is a play, this is a play that wasn't called Joe Burrow was sacked by Chris Jones literally three seconds after he lets the ball go. And the referees did not call mm-hmm. it. If the, if the referees called, if, if the referees called that foul there and then they called and then they called him a Holmes play, you know, that, that, then, then that's consistency and that's fair. But if you're not going to call, if you're not going to throw the flag for Burrow, you, you know. While it is a fe- well, it is a penalty against Mahomes. Yeah. I don't know. There, there, there's that. There's that fine line of consistency. Like, okay, there's holding on every play by every offensive lineman. Like you said, uh, I, you know, like you're saying, hey, in a- every play you could have a a, a man downfield. Where do you draw the line on it? Hey, I'm fine with that. But that, that's the type of consistency that I'm talking about. If you call for, if you call for Burrow, you have to call it for Mahomes and vice versa.
0: Well, it makes a lot of sense if you look at it through a WWE lens. Okay, that's all I'm going to say, too. <laughs> hey, let's, talk. let's talk. And then, look, we, I, I love the game of football. We love talking about it. We love watching it. That looks like it's going to be a great rivalry for years to come. They They shall trade
1: away the AFC championship belts for years to come. <laughs> I agree and 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 you know what i think I think all three of them know like, hey, like you know we we got the next ten, fifteen years of battling like this, and the, and I think they look forward to it more than anybody else. I agree.
0: Hey, let's back it up a little bit here, and let's look sure. at some news that happened in the NFL over the last week or so. We're going to back it up a little bit here, and if you see anything that I – I know you and I are on the same page. We're going over to our buddies here at the NBC Sports Edge p- uh, p- pages here, just kind of rewinding this week, and and we're going to look at some of this stuff. And like I said earlier, Brock Purdy, a complete tear of his ulnar collateral ligament. See how I did that? You didn't know I could pronounce <laughs> anything like that Tim, but I did <laughs> – Uh, my speculations on Derek Carr's news, by the way, Derek Carr is out, right, as Las Vegas Raiders quarterback. I'm not sure where he's going to fit in. I think Tampa Bay might be a good place for him to go. The New York Jets, I don't know that I would like the New York Jets, though. Derek Carr always has a tough time throwing the ball in cold weather outside in the elements. You know, just all that stuff, I think, is a Derek Carr narrative that he doesn't necessarily want to play in.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'm a huge Derek Carr fan. Everything he, I, I, I on my show Rock Us, that we talked about earlier, I made the argument to my co-host Jose Fernandez. Shout out Jose. He um, last year with everything they went through from Gruden to Henry Ruggs to their defensive uh, to the defensive uh, backer. Uh, I forgot the dude's name. He was he was kicked off the team in the middle of the season because he posted something with him with a gun, like threatening someone. Uh, like, with everything that he went through last season, I thought, and how far he took them, I thought Derek Carr should have been in the MVP conversation. I know it was ridiculous. I know it was something that it wasn't going to happen, but I, I thought he meant so much to that team. Uh, Josh McDaniels comes in, you know, we could we could talk about it till the cows come home. Devontae Adams comes to play specifically with Derek Carr. Derek Carr I think is capable of of having a Matt Stafford effect on a team that's a quarterback away I agree with you I think I think that the Jets are Murphy's law anything that can go wrong will I would kind of like to see him more go to you know to to go to uh, a Tampa or a New Orleans or e- even even go to a, a Carolina with a guy like Frank Reich who again has always just been a quarterback away even the Indianapolis Colts who are quarterback away Hey, I think he I think he can really have that type of effect on a team.
0: I would agree with you. Robert Woods is also probably not going to be back with the Tennessee Titans. A big price tag for him is uh, scheduled to be on a 14.6 million dollar cap figure for 2023 for the Titans. And they could save more than 12 million if they cut him loose. So I think Robert Woods back in Los Angeles for the Rams, that could be a good fit because the Allen Robinson experiment did not work out well for them. So I, I, I'm looking for Robert Woods to probably end up back in LA again at a discounted price. Of course.
1: I, I like Robert Woods. I liked him since he was a USC. I always thought it was a great thing that he got picked up to go to the Rams to stay in LA because that was always his natural element. Um, I I'm in a weird position just to talk about Tennessee real quick. Tennessee has Derrick Henry, which is who, who is one of the greatest running backs I, I've truly ever seen in my lifetime. I'm, I'm I'm only 28, so you know I I I didn't really see all the great ones before, but he was like the first great like feared bad man that I've ever seen as a as a running back. I weirdly think that Tennessee is at the point where they have Mike Rabel, who yeah I believe he won Coach of the Year last year. He's a, he's a great coach. He's loved by everybody. They have a lot of old guys. Who are, weir- who are weirdly at the end of their co- who are or, who are closer to the end of the career than the beginning? I almost think is it worth it for them? Just, like, can can they blow up? Can they trade Deuce Henry for a few picks? Yeah, you know, Ryan Tannehill is thirty five. He has a thirty five million dollar cap hit next year. He's not going to be back. Taylor Lewan thirty two, coming off his second ACL injury, owed fourteen million dollars. He's not going to be back next year. Here, like the the. The, the Tennessee Titans they're in a weird position where they can say hey we can kind of just fill the gaps or we can you know we can clean house we can get some draft picks they they ha- they drafted Malik Willis last year but I don't believe he's the guy long term no. you know I, I I I think Tennessee can weirdly be in that position and I think you know uh, Mike Vrabel's is going to be involved in their new GM search. Uh, they might have actually closed GM. I think Tennessee is in a prime spot where they can say, okay, we tried it with everybody. This didn't work. Let's see if we can retool and try and compete but, with, if, with some of these other guys in the AFC. Yeah, I,
0: I know you're up there north somewhere. You're, you know, If I take a right-hand turn out of my driveway and just keep driving towards the coast and just keep driving upwards towards Canada, I'll eventually get to you. But I'm just going to tell you right now, saying for the Tennessee Titans to trade Derrick Henry— or get rid, of, yeah. that is fighting words, my friend. Derrick Henry's down here. He was an Alabama guy. He's a Tennessee guy. Those, those are fighting words down here. In my next. I, I,
1: I understand it, but you know what? I'm a Giants fan, and I've been listening to everybody yeah, tell. me. Nah, you, you, you want
0: you want him to go to the Giants so you can get rid of Saquon? No, Marsha I don't. No, I want Saquon. See your plot now, I, Sean I want
1: Saquon. I want Saquon. I'm, sure. I, I'm just, I, I try, I'm trying to tell you, it's just, it's just, I'm not. I, I listen. I, no, I respect. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I just, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't have the, you know, I don't have the attachment to Deuce Henry. He, so I guess, I guess I can't appreciate as much as I do, as much as you guys do. Um, I, I, I don't see where Tennessee, how Tennessee can go up from here. I really don't. That's just my.
0: I agree. Uh, they're they're uh, about 20 pieces away from being a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. Sean Payton, <laughs> the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, he was acquired from New Orleans for a first and second round pick. That is something to give up that much for Sean Payton. My, my quick question to you, we got to get w- rapid responses here uh, for sure. both of us, because we're both going to go on tangents in a minute. But uh, Sean Payton, is,
1: is he going to be able to turn around Russell Wilson? Um, I need to put my hand up and just uh, announced that I have never believed that Russell Wilson was an elite quarterback. I thought he was an above average quarterback, but he was never elite. The, the Legion of Boom are the reason that Russell Wilson is a, is a uh, Super Bowl winning quarterback. I, I, I don't believe so. I really don't. I don't think that um, I, I just I, I don't think with how Russell Wilson operates and how Sean Payton operates, like, you know, the team can rally around Payton, but I don't believe that that team will ever rally around Russell Wilson, and I think we saw that towards the end of last season. That, that That's my I, God's honest opinion. I
0: think Russell Wilson is a good game manager, and I think that he can do that under Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton will be able to probably give him the best coaching that he's ever had on the offensive side of the ball. That's I I, I think I, that's not going out on a limb saying that. And I'm going to no, tell you what. Jerry Judy, one of the things coming out of Alabama that he had in his tool belt was route running. I He— now, Michael Thomas is not doesn't want to be in New Orleans, so maybe Michael Thomas ends up going to Denver. Maybe some of this old band gets back together again in Denver a little bit. You know what I mean? But yeah. it, he has a, an elite weapon in Jerry Judy to fill a Michael Thomas role of route running. And I... I Man, the possibilities are there, but once again, Russell Wilson's going to have to prove it to me a little bit, and and i got to see that. D'Amico Ryan's the head coach of the Houston Texans, great defensive coordinator, of course, for the San Francisco 49ers. I don't see how this helps out Houston all that much. They weren't known for their defense, so I think that they, they he's got he's got his work cut out for him. That That roster is a really bad roster at Houston right now, Tim.
1: I agree with you. It was destroy- it, it, unfortunately it was destroyed by Bill O'Brien, who you know he traded away DeAndre Hopkins, who was one of the best receivers in the league at that point, traded him away for nothing, and uh, and David Jones come back. They get they you know they they cut bait with Deshaun Watson, and then the Browns did what they did to ruin the quarterback market. We're not going to get into that. Um, the the biggest thing that I look at is that the last two coaches, the last two seasons. This is the third. This is their third coach in three seasons. If I'm Danico Ryan's and I'm sitting there, I'm like, listen, I you you uh, who is I don't know who the gentleman was before Levy, Lovie Lovey Smith who was the head coach there. He came in, he had he did he did okay given what he had, and they fired him after with the, with the first year. Lovey Smith. Same thing. He did what he could with the with, with the you know with, with you know with the beeline team that he had, and then he again he got fired. D'Amico Ryan's. He's a former player for Houston. His wife has ties to Houston, so it was like going home for him. He signed a six-year deal for them. If I'm D'Amico, though, like I'm sitting there, like you know, guys, you're on your third coach in three years. Like, what exactly is there to do? Like what like what like what exactly do you expect of me? And do I have more than a year to do it? Yeah, I, I think
0: he does. Uh, this is probably, like you said, the ties there to Houston, former player. You kind of see some of those things as being okay. Everybody's going to give him a long leash there before the fans maybe get upset at him, right? Because they want to see him do well. This is and a if I could, get right if
1: I, spot. If I could say, if I could say, just one more thing. I weirdly think that there. I'm a huge Dan Campbell fan. I, you know, I, I love him in Detroit. I think he's, I think he's the best thing for Detroit. I weirdly think Houston's looking for a, a Dan Campbell type of. Like shock to their system. Sure,
0: and and he could do that. Uh, D'Amico's got a lot of uh, possibilities. I, I it was strange calling him D'Amico. Feels like I need to call him Mr. Ryan's now that he's a head coach. You know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> I mean, uh, Justin Fields. Uh, speaking about Lovey Smith, he did a great. A number for his old team, the Chicago Bears, with the Houston Texans by winning that last game and, and being competitive, it gave the Chicago Bears the number one pick in the draft. I, I'm a big Bears fan, Tim. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a big Bears fan. And it seems like this year we were expected to win a lot of different games. And it felt like we were very competitive. And then you look up at the end of the year and go, wait a minute, we have the number one pick in the draft. That means our team was really bad. <laughs> we didn't do very well. And, and they're really in a strange spot. Because you've got a couple of quarterbacks coming out, and I'm going to say Bryce Young is the best, better of the two. And Bryce Young looks like an elite talent, a a once-in-a-generational talent from where I sit on my couch, watching football each and every week and and a lot of Saturdays. I look at Bryce Young, and I'm like, wow, that kid is impressive. He can make all the throws. He's athletic. He has a great understanding of the offense and the field. There's so many great qualities about him that I think, the last time I saw that in the SEC, and I, I may be forgetting somebody, but like Joe Burrow was was the guy. I mean, I'm I'm sitting there looking at the kid. I'm going, he's Joe Burrow esque, right? But the Bears have got Justin Fields, so if you're GM for the Chicago
1: Bears, what do you do, Tim? Because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. So I I, I I guess again like the same thing the same thing we were talking about about Deuce Henry. I don't know if I just can't appreciate it, hit like I. Justin Fields, he was a high draft pick. They traded to get him. They traded with my New York Giants to get the draft pick to take him. And I get that he's from that he's from a different regime within the, within the Chicago Bears. They they drafted Justin Fields. They fired everybody. They fired Matt Nagy, who shouldn't have been who shouldn't have had the job in the first place at the time. And you know that now they're kind of looking like, hey, what do we do? I think Justin Fields has the capability of being a Cam Newton, so long as you learn from the mistakes that the Carolina Panthers made while trying to protect Cam Newton. You know, building an offensive line around him, getting him real weapons. Which they, I don't know why, I don't know how they thought Chase Claypool was a real weapon, him. But they, you know, they tried to they tried to make it work with them. Um, I am also just, uh, you know, Mac Jones is kind of an anomaly, and we're kind of seeing. I just, again, I, I, I'm a firm believer. Alabama does not produce NFL they, they produce any NFL ready position except quarterbacks because beside you know again beside you know to you know the doors open for him and whether or not he's long-term or not hot and God bless him with his concussions Mac Jones again I think he's getting he's getting Bill O'Brien I think they have very high hopes for his third year but before then I really please correct me if I'm wrong I don't remember the last NFL quarterback to come out of Alabama. And that's just me. I, that, that would just lead me to, and I can make the same argument for Ohio state, which they got, you know, the Justin Fields is of a product of, I just, I don't see, you know, trading for, you you know, drafting Bryce young, uh, Dra- drafting uh, C.J. Stroud, I just I don't see it being a long-term option. I think you still have the opportunity for Justin Fields, who is a monster of an athlete. I agree. I I, I love Justin Fields. I, I think that he's great. He has all the potential in the world. I
0: love the comparison that you put uh, towards a Cam Newton because I do see that potential in. Justin Fields with the right coaching, being able to coach it up a little bit. Don't forget that Cam Newton did have a Steve Smith on his repertoire. You know, he did have CMC towards the end of his career there in Carolina. Different people like that. They had Greg Olson as well. You know, just different people like that that Cam Newton had. And by the way, I will say that you're forgetting about Joe Namath. For the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, who came into uh, the league, well, I guess that was 60s in the 70s, that kind of thing. So maybe they don't produce very good quarterbacks. Anymore, but, <laughs> but no, uh, Kenny Stapler might have been another name, <laughs> but. Uh, Bryce Young is different. He's a difference maker. He's he's out there. I uh, Trust me. He can make all the throws. Trust me when I say he doesn't cave under the pressure. Trust me when I say I see the kind of composure and athleticism that it takes to be an NFL quarterback. He's trying to add some weight. I think that's going to be a big help to him as well to be able to take the pounding that some NFL quarterbacks do. Here, I'm going to think outside the box. OK, because uh, I'm going to pretend that I'm the GM of the Chicago Bears, which I've done that many, many times in my life anyway. All right. The <laughs> owner for the Chicago Bears.
1: Yep. I got you. I, hey, I,
0: I, I, I'm sorry. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to take Justin Fields and I'm going to say, hey, Justin, and, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, we got time here. we got time to make this work. Even if we draft Bryce Young, don't, don't think your job is in jeopardy. But here's what I'd like for you to do. You, you, you ever hear that guy named Taysom Hill? You, you ever hear <laughs> that guy named Cordero Patterson? You, you ever hear those people? Because I'm thinking – Justin, you are an elite athlete who can make a difference all over the field if we so inclined, right? You give us a lot of options. You give us a lot of variables. You give us an opportunity to be so creative with the playbook, unlike any other team, that we want you to be quarterback, but we also want you to be receiver. We also want you to be running back. We also want you to line up all over the field wherever you can because Bryce Young gives us an opportunity to do that. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to draft Bryce Young if I'm the Chicago Bears and keep Justin Fields if nobody makes me an incredible offer like a Washington football team, right, With uh, who has Ron Rivera, who may see those same attributes in Justin Fields that he saw in Cam Newton. I'm thinking that that could be a possible trade partner. But I, I'm, I'm wondering – if you can't talk Justin Fields into doing that because Bryce Young is that kind of elite talent that you may not be able to ever get your hands on again. And I, am an Alabama Homer. I'm a Chicago bear Homer, but I would love that opportunity to be able to be creative on offense like that.
1: I see, I see where you're going with it. I, I don't necessarily think that I would, the the one thing that makes Taysom Hill, the one thing, the one thing that made Taysom Hill that who he is, was Sean Payton, and he had a great offensive mind. Who he saw the body, he saw the frame of work, and he and he made it work. So I don't necessarily discount what you're saying about you know trying to make him into something like that. I just think that, that requires a spe- a very specific type of coach. So I, you know, I, I, I if they can make something like that work, I I would love to see that happen because again, he is just he is an athletic man, and, and you know he's a great he's great at it. I don't, I don't know how else to say He just he's his athleticism yeah. is what oh, yeah. drives him to be hit. um, If I'm Ron Rivera, I don't even if I'm, I'm sorry, if I'm still the if I'm still the GM of Chicago, I, I, you know, you have Arch Manning coming through in a couple years. You have a few other guys who, you know, they're still two, three years away from being eligible. If I can trade out this number one and take a haul of picks, which, you know, Washington might Washington might be willing to do. Houston might be willing to do. Um, even even Tampa Bay now that Tom Brady's gone might be willing to do, and I can get something for Justin Hughes, uh, for Justin Fields now. I I think I look more at that avenue, but again, and I, you know it's a new regime. There's no one with really any emotional attachment to Justin Fields in that front office. I, I'm very excited to see what Chicago does with this because I th- Hey, if I, I yeah you know, I I think that, I don't think there's any wrong answer. I think whatever happens happens, and it's just interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I do think it's interesting to watch, and I will remind you that. For a team to have a quarterback, a great quarterback on a rookie contract allows that team to surround that rookie with a lot of different talent. Joe Burrow. Absolutely. On a rookie contract, right? Brock Purdy, or you know, you can even say Trey Lance was on a rookie contract. Maybe Jimmy G's wasn't, but uh, those two guys were on a rookie contract, and they were in the conference finals. And so, I believe, is Jalen Hurts on a rookie contract? And look where all those guys are. I, I think Tom Brady was still on a rookie contract when he was with the Tampa Bay Buck. No, he was not with the Tampa.
1: No. Bay Buc- <laughs> <laughs> no. He, he. No. He. No. 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 He, but. But, to, but to your point, to to that point in. In uh, in New England, you know, he always was willing to take less. Granted, he was still married to Giselle at the time, who made more than him in a lifetime, which I think is any 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 man's any man's dream. Have the wife make more? Um, he you know he was able to take less money, and they were able to show what they were they were show able to show what they were able to do with it. And now, you're in a position where you know you have the Patrick Mahomes type of deal, which I would not be surprised if both Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow get that type of contract, oh, yeah. a, ten, a ten to a fifteen year deal loaded with money, but also make it that you know all the all these capologists who are able to make this money work they can stretch it out they can maneuver it they can make it they can they can spin it they can twirl it, they can do whatever they want so the guys get paid and they still have the money to, the money to operate sure. so i agree with you sure. hey, a, a, any guy who you know justin feels i think he's making seven hundred fifty thousand dollars next year you know that that leaves their cap space wide open i i agree with you they can do so well, much and,
0: with and, but you'd roll that over to a
1: bryce young's contract And bam, all of a sudden you're on
0: a rookie contract for a quarterback again for another three years or however long it is. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. T. Higgins looking to be traded possibly out of the Cincinnati Bengals if they can't come up with a, uh, a, a, well, I guess they want to be traded. I guess he wants to be traded or get an extension. One of the two. And if the two eyes can't see, two sides can't see eye to eye, T. Higgins could be on his way out. I've heard the New York Giants
1: are rumored to be interested. Yes, I have heard that same rumor. Um, I Yo, unfortunately, with dynasty teams like this, which I think I, I think the 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 Bengals kind of are at this point because of how young everybody is. You know, first and foremost, they got to pay Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is a bad man. He's gonna be there the next fifteen years. I think I think they lock him up with a long term deal this year. The next guy, his right hand man, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is gonna command top dollar because of how because of what he does for uh, Joe Burrow and that team. T Higgins, unfortunately, he's he's third down. He might become a little bit more expendable. Um, you know, I. I, I I like T. Higgins. I I think that you know, I I would welcome in New I would welcome him in New York with open arms because I'm sorry Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodges God bless both of them they ain't it they ain't it Kenny 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 Galladay who bought this for seventy two million dollars he ain't it either we we need a bona fide number one wide receiver so if there's a if there's a universe where I can get T. Higgins I will take him with open arms I, I will watch his kids for him I'll I'll wash his car I'll paint his house whatever he needs I will do right, but. I, I think that I think that Cincinnati has a has a I don't want to say weird because I'm a big family person, but I, I has has they have like that familyhood type of atmosphere where I think that they're gonna exhaust every possible opportunity. Not to say that T. Higgins should take less than his market value because he has earned that market value in my opinion, and he's he's a solid number two. He can be a number one on another on another team. Um, I, again, an, another thing that I'm very interested to see. I mean, we saw after Tampa Bay won the won the Super Bowl. They brought all 22 guys back on 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 all cap friendly deals where they everybody got paid and it was all spread out. i I think that it's not so much of a cap casualty anymore. I think that I think they if if they want to make it work, they can. Oh, sure.
0: You can always just, uh, fix the books a little bit there to be able to make it happen somewhere down the line. We'll see what ends up happening. I don't know. Maybe he was a little bit disgruntled being a number two. We shall see what happens. Hey, Kellen Moore is the offensive coordinator now in the ch- for the Chargers organization. I think that's a good thing because so many different plays were made for the Dallas Cowboys. They had a great offensive tempo, I think, for fantasy purposes. That makes the Chargers a lot more palatable. I, I love them to start with. Uh, I tried to Stack up Chargers wherever I had an opportunity to. Now with Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator, I think that's going to be even more uh, beneficial for the Chargers from a fantasy football perspective. So I, I really like that. Um, whenever I whenever I think about going into next season,
1: yeah, Kellen Moore was always he. I always had him as a. Yo, he was. You know how J- Jason Garrett, when uh, when Wade Phillips was the head coach, was Jerry Jones' guy. Like, oh no, Wade's my guy. But if Wade's not my guy, like Jason Garrett's my guy. I've always, I, I, as a, as a Giants fan, I've always been, I've always been taught to hate the Cowboys. But I always thought the Moore was kind of the same thing. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's my guy, but, but but as long as Kellen Moore is there. So I was very surprised to hear that he, uh, that he moved on. Um, you know, from my understanding, this was kind of something that was, it was mutually agreed to. Mike McCarthy has different aspirations and has a different idea of what he wants to do. They did you know, he didn't fire Kellen Moore, but he kind of was like, you know, go see if you can find another job which, you know, less than twenty four hours before uh less than twenty four hours after being released, he you know, he's picked up by the Chargers. I think Justin uh Justin Herbert has a great upside. You got Keenan Allen, you got Mike Williams, you got Austin Eckler, you got a great offensive line, you have an elite defense. Um they were embarrassed. In, ja- in Jacksonville in the first round of the playoffs, Joey Bosa, a, a wrecking ball of a human who just has not lived up to expectations. I'm very interested to see where, what Kellen Moore can do with that offense. I think yeah. he, I think he's young enough that he can relate to Justin Herbert. I think that he's, um, I, I think that he's intelligent enough that he can work with Herbert and say like, Hey, what do you like? What do you not? I'm very interested to see, interested to see how this works. And I also think you know the Chargers like. Again, the same thing that I would say with Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy. If Joe, St- I, I, I almost called. It, uh, if Brandon Staley isn't the guy, Kellen Moore is a guy who he's been considered for other head coaching opportunities. He hasn't gotten them because of his age. He's weirdly in that pipeline of like, okay, if Staley ain't it, maybe Kellen Moore is also. So All I right. think he adds a lot of dynamics and it kind of it adds something to Staley. You know, Staley's motivation. Not saying that he's not motivated, but it adds something. For him to keep going with, I think I think that gives
0: a clear indicator of how confident uh, th- that 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 who, who, Kellen Moore was that Mike McCarthy was going to remain on as head coach for the Dallas Cowboys for a long time, uh, and the love and the infatuation that maybe uh, Jerry Jones has with Mike McCarthy. That's why maybe Kellen Moore wanted to move on uh to see and I think that one of the places that he had circled of where can I be a head coach in and, and Los Angeles? Hey, you could you could end up in a lot worse weather conditions in Los Angeles. Hey, I am Wes Easley, one of your hosts here at loafing It Over on Twitter. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore. And Tim Fitzgerald is joining me. first first show we don't have a topic for or a title for the show yet, Tim. I know you're at Run from Dolan. I don't think that's gonna be a good show name i could be wrong but uh, maybe that would get a lot of attraction if we named it run from dolan that's your twitter handle at run from dolan uh, and we gotta I, I when i think about a show uh, and a show name it's got to become organic like the show the show should pick out the name we shouldn't necessarily pick out the name for the show does that make sense
1: absolutely i agree with you
0: Okay. So we're going to see how this kind of shakes out over a long-term thing as we look at back at all these different things. One of the things that you said, though, is that you love to look at all the different sports. And I think the NBA is one of those things that I never pay enough attention to throughout the regular season a lot. And I don't even know really where the standings are right now for the NBA. I play NBA DFS. I, I've been on, I've been in a slump with that right now Tim. I, I'm in a slump with that. <laughs> it's why I can't, I can't I can't I don't know what it is. I maybe my head was wrapped around football too much. But if we look at the standings, who do you do you know who is in the lead in the Eastern Conference? Who the number 1 team in the Eastern Conference is? Uh,
1: I believe that the, it's the Boston Celtics. I believe that they have a, this the lead hold over the East right now how. Um I know that Brooklyn Brooklyn up until yesterday, you know, they were in, they were in that area. Hey, they were in that, you know, they, they were mm-hmm. in, they were in the hunt. I don't know about it, after February 9th. They will. I know that my Knicks they're you know, they're making moves, but don't worry. They'll fail eventually. Cause that's just how, that's just how James Dolan goes. Uh, the 76ers, the Milwaukee bucks, it, you know, the East is definitely back. I think Hank, um, you know, the West has, unfortunately it's been, it, it's been, it's been running through only a couple guys. Um, the sons have taken a huge step back this year here, but you know, I, 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 it's weird. It, this is weird the time where basketball normally takes over my life. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're not necessarily in baseball season yet. Football season's over her at the next week. Basketball, you know, both pro and college. This is weirdly around the time where everything gets going. Hey, yeah. and I think it, 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 it timing is perfect. Hey, no, you I got that right. You got that right. Atlanta Hawks are the last
0: team in the playoffs, if they still have eight teams. They change that stuff so much for me nowadays, I don't even know who makes the playoffs. All 16 teams, all 15 teams in the East are going to make the playoffs is what I think this year. I don't know how that works. <laughs> strange to see the Toronto Raptors not involved in the playoff discussion. They are 13 and a half games back out of first. And Atlanta is 10, so I guess three and a half games is very makeable, uh, at least being able to make that up. So it's interesting to see that. Who do you think is in the lead in the West? Do you know that one?
1: Uh, Is it the Denver Nuggets? The Denver
0: Nuggets is. It is the Denver Nuggets. They are in the lead by four games over the Memphis Grizzlies right now. And that Mm. last playoff team... The Golden State Warriors are tied with the Portland Trailblazers and the Utah Jazz. All three of them are 10 games back out of first place right now. And I find that interesting, too. Uh, but I think, once again, it's it's a, not even, where are we even halfway through the season? Still 72 games in the year. So it's 26 and 26. That's, if I have 52 games. So they still got 20 games left, right?
1: Yeah, uh, they do. 30, no, 20,
0: 30 games, 30 games.
1: Yeah, it, it you know we're we're about 20 games out. The de- the trade deadline is next week. You know you have a lot of teams that you know they can make moves. I think the reason why the the Toronto Raptors aren't discussing about it because they're they're really talking about blowing it up and moving on just because they have a lot of old heads that they owe money to and you know they're not really going anywhere with it. Unfortunately, uh, you know Kawhi Leonard, he was a one he was a one-time deal. He let, he went there, he did his job, he did it really well. Obviously, he won them a championship and then he went home to Los Angeles where he wanted to be. Um, yeah. You know, how I I, I, I this again? This is like the ideal time where guys they really they, they shake off the midseason rust. You know, they get healthy here and they start going with it. Hit the the NBA has done a, a, you know a, a good job of sure. making sure the All Star break they get like a, they get like a good week off. Um, you know. how it this is definitely this is definitely a good time to be an NBA fan with everything going on. You know LeBron's about to uh, break the record heard for most points scored. You have Kyrie Irving going. You know, on one of his tangents again, Kevin Durant's about to come back for the Brooklyn Nets. You have a lot of interesting moving parts within the NBA at this time of year.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Lakers. The Lakers are eleven and a half games back, so just one and a half out of a playoff spot. But it's still, you, you see, the roster there. I guess with the big three that they have, with a Russell Westbrook, a LeBron James, and Antonio Davis, and you got those guys all running around. And now all of a an- sudden, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Antonio, Antonio. He, he <laughs>
1: was an NBA player. He was an NBA player. He, he was. He was. A, he was a great one at it. <laughs> uh,
0: but you got you got those guys, and now all of a sudden, there's a Russell Wilson and a Kyrie Irving. Russell Westbrook and a Kyrie Irving trade possibly going on behind the scenes. What do you think about that? Do you think that'd be a good fit for the Lakers? I don't. I I don't know that anybody'd be a good fit for Russ. I I, I don't know, but I can't see Russ and Durant getting. I don't know, but you know, uh, uh, old habits die hard. I guess.
1: Yes. So the way that I understand this is that 24 hours ago, the Nets uh, sometime in the last week, the Nets offered Kyrie Irving a contract extension for the maximum amount. But this is now allegedly allegedly. It was contingent on the Nets winning a championship, which, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, we you live in a world of, sport, you know, where sports contracts are huge. Teams will try, teams will tie stipulations to it to make some of the money not guaranteed. The NBA is really their different element. All contracts are normally guaranteed. Very suddenly, is is a money is money not guaranteed. So. Kyrie Irving took this personally. I mean, Kyrie has gone through a lot. You know, he's he's had his battles with mental health. He you know he fought with New York City over not being vaccinated, so they wouldn't let him play, which, you know, we could talk about that at a different time. Um, you know, he has said that he's wanted to leave and then come back very quickly, and now he's saying he wants to leave again. Um, you know, Kevin Durant was, is the main reason that Kyrie is here. Kyrie, you know, the, the Nets took on both of them. They tried to build around them, and it just kind of seemed like it's been a dumpster fire really ever since. Um, the Kyrie to LA, I think is the most, you know, LeBron James is in LA. He's 20 years in. Uh, he's not. I don't think he plays. No, I don't think he plays more than another five years. I really don't think he cares if the if he if he you know mortgages the Lakers' future with a couple of picks and and Russell Westbrook, who he's on the he's on an expiring contract, which is why his numbers are being, which is why he's being considered in the trade because they have to make the money work if nothing else. So mm-hmm. if. If Kyrie is going to go to L.A., Russell Russell Westbrook is going to come back. Um, I really I don't know what the Nets are going to do. Um, I don't know where Kevin Durant stands on it. But I think that Kyrie, for better for worse, has not been has not worked out for the Nets. And if you can get some legitimate trade capital back for him to kind of you know to kind of build for the future, I think the Nets should really explore that more because you know Kyrie's not coming back. I think he's made that abundantly clear. I
0: agree, and and I don't know. It it seems like whenever he gets in uh, the same area with LeBron James and everything, and I don't know, he'd he'd step up to the plate in Los Angeles. It'd be interesting to see anyway. And uh, I guess Kyrie always makes things interesting. Hey, who do you think leads the league in minutes played per game? Minutes played per game. Uh, Let's see. Pascal Siakam. Is that how you say it? Pascal Siakam. Siakam, that's it, that's Siakam. Uh Jason Tatum, Fred Van Fleet, kind of all 37 minutes. And Kyrie Irving right there at 37 minutes, too. I wouldn't have thought that. What about points per game? Who do you think's leading the league in points per game?
1: Would it be Nicole Jokic in Denver? No, not Nicole Jokic. I don't, I don't even see him on the list. I don't even, maybe
0: I'm, uh, well, hopefully I'm on the right page here. But uh, <laughs> po- points per game, it is Joel Embiid at 33 and a half. Points per God. game. Luca Luca's there eleven. Oh uh, no, not eleven. Thirty-three points as, as field goals made. Uh Giannis is there at thirty two points a game. I don't see Jokic, where where is where is Jokic? Am I just in the Eastern Conference
1: or what here? What what's going on? I don't know. I thought, I, I really, I, you know, Nicole Jokic. He's a back-to-back MVP. He's averaging a triple double right now, so that's kind of why I thought he'd be up there. I could, I could yeah. also be dead wrong with it. No, that. he's so. at 25 points
0: per game. I hope I'm in the right year, but it, right now he's 16th at 25 points per game, and everything else seems to look look just about right here now. <laughs> this, uh, you know, kind of shocking. I looked at it last night too, and I don't think I looked at points. I saw Joel Embiid on top, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right page here, but. Uh, it's interesting, though, whenever I look at it, to see that Jokic is not on that list. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? What about blocks? Who's the man in the middle? I always like blocks. Who do you think that uh, the man uh, in the middle is per game? Uh, it's weird. Man, it's a strange know, name. It's a, a strange name. Nick Claxton is there. Nick Claxton for
1: the Bro- Brooklyn Nets. That, wow. Yeah. I did not think he's a leader with that.
0: And then Brooke Lopez, I don't know that he ever gets out of the lane on defense anymore. I think he just <laughs> sits there in the lane, and then he stays outside the three point line whenever he's on offense. Uh, Miles Turner is yeah. there too, and that's uh, I, I like Miles Turner. I I hate that he's just kind of wasting away to nothing there in Indiana.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the Indiana, 40, you know, they went out, they got Rick Carlisle, you know, they've uh, they really they haven't been great since they let Paul George go. Um, you know, Miles Turner's been a name that's been that's been discussed in trade circles but he's recently signed an extension with indiana and rick Carlisle has said that he's no longer available i you know i I know they were trying to get deandre Ayton there to kind of pair him with miles turner i really i did you know there are some great guys that are in the that are in the middle of the country like that that are unfortunately they're they're trapped as one guy they're they're trapped to one team and you know they were if they're possibly in the right situation you know anything was anything would be possible with them not your
0: traditional names leading the assist board, all right? Tyrese Halliburton is one of them. He's averaging over 10 assists per game, right at 10 assists per game. And then, like you said, Nikola Jokic is right there as well. 10 assists per game for Nikola. That's that's so crazy to see, like him above Trey Young, John Morant, Luka, Donat, Luka Doncic. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's crazy to see that. And, and it, maybe that's why he's not scoring as much, because he's passing the ball and trying to average a triple-double.
1: So so he is averaging a triple double, and that's what makes him an MVP player. He's re- yeah. you know. I, from my understanding, he you know, he used to average. I'm sorry, he's he still does kind of average in the neighborhood of you know 25, 27 points a game. He's in. He's a big body in the middle, but he's someone you know you you, you throw you throw it it you, you throw it into him. You try to back him down. You get one you get one defender from the outside to commit, and then he kicks it out, and that you know whoever it's on, whether it's Jamal Murray or or Aaron Gordon, you're out there, and they. And they put it up, and they get a three, and that's how he's able to get these these assists. It's really he the way that, the way that he plays is is a great way. It's unbelievable to watch him play basketball.
0: Sabonis so is leading the league with rebounds per game at 12. Giannis is right behind him at 12.3. Uh, mm-hmm. Rudy Bear, of course, is Steven Adams. And then uh, Vukovic for, is that is it Vuk? Vuk. That's why I just call him with Chicago. And then Jokic is there with 11 rebounds per game. Interesting. He is averaging a triple double all the way around. That's That's crazy.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, he, again, he, I I think that Joel Embiid is someone who's kind of been overlooked in the last two years because of our appreciation for Nikola Jokic, but it's going to be, it, it's very interesting to watch both of them play hey, in terms of who's going to win MVP this year. We are sitting right at an hour, Tim. I think we're going to have to talk some
0: major league baseball the next time we get together. So we'll put that one off to the side, but it's been a great first conversation with you. And I wonder what the show name will be. Maybe we'll have to think about it. I know you'll listen back to the show at least 20 times between now and the next next week. Whenever we get together, I say that, I don't know how many times you'll listen to it, Uh, but (laughs) you've been a great, you've done a great job. Yes, you can talk all kinds of sports, my friend.
1: Thank you, Wes. I'm really appreciate. Thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes. And you know, I think I agree. I think that number's a little low. I'm going to do at least probably at least thirty times listening to this, thinking of what the show name could possibly be. I'm really <laughs> excited for the future of this man. If,
0: if you have any suggestions on what the show name should be, and and keep them clean. Okay, Keep, keep Absolute, them clean and keep them absolutely. positive. I know what you guys are going to say out there. I know what I'm going to be told the show name should be, and and, I, and I'll, I'll uh, run from Dolan as well. At run from Dolan is Tim Fitzgerald's Twitter handle. Make sure you follow him over there on Twitter. You can follow me as well at loafing it. Don't forget to follow the show at FI today with a little underscore. This will be a tweet somewhere in that neighborhood. One of our accounts will have that as a pinned tweet probably, and if you have any show suggestion, name suggestions, you can put it underneath that tweet, or you can leave it in the comments. Or you can slap those stars around. You can leave a heart on whatever listening platform you like to listen to the show on. You can get in touch with us over there on those kind of platforms as well. But we really want to encourage everybody in a cold environment, in the world that we live in today, with the WWE lenses that we have on our eyes, maybe at this point, uh, I want to encourage you to try to find a way to make a positive impact in somebody's life today.